Today marks the 30th anniversary of any parent's worst nightmare, the death of their child. In this case, it's the murder of Stephen Lawrence, a watershed moment for race relations in the UK and the birth of what would become Stephen's legacy. The focus of this episode will be on Stephen's mother, Baroness Lawrence, or Baroness Doreen Lawrence. She's fought an uphill battle to get justice for her son, and while building the Stephen Lawrence Charitable Trust, an organisation that's opened doors to countless talented individuals, helping them secure careers in journalism, law, music, architecture, and much more. To understand Doreen's journey, we need to trace her steps back to Thursday the 22nd of April, 1993, the night of her son's murder. Stephen was stabbed to death by a pack of racist wolves. However, Dwayne Brooks, Stephen's friend, narrowly escaped the attack. And when the police finally arrived, they, tweet, they treated Dwayne like a suspect, questioning him about the nature of the attack, including whether the racially motivated murder was gang-related. There were a series of errors related to Stephen's case. However, the media, they were quick to respond. You may remember the Daily Mail famously published the killer's faces on the front page with the byline, murderers. The Mail accuses these men of killing. If we're wrong, let them sue us. Yet Doreen was met with little sympathy from the Metropolitan Police. Here's what she had to say. My son's been murdered and none of these officers, the justice system, the politicians, nobody cared. These idiots who have murdered my son had more rights than we did. People seem to think I may have moved on and I've got over Stephen's death. I haven't. The killers are still out on the street. My son had a future and they've taken that away. And I just feel as if they were laughing at us. There's nobody, I think, who looked to pacify me. Nope, nobody could tell me no. I presume they could, but I, I wouldn't accept it. We can learn several lessons from Doreen's journey. Number one, assemble a team of A-star players and build your network to help you achieve your goals. Doreen's bravery in standing up to the establishment and her resilience in managing her grief while raising her children, Stuart and Georgina, is impressive. But she wouldn't have managed to have the same impact without the help of others. Inspired by her story, her resilience and her competence, she managed to get Michael Mansfield, one of the best barristers of his generation, to represent her at the trial. Her legal team persuaded the Court of Appeal to approve the retrial of two of Stephen's killers, essentially creating an exception to the double jeopardy rule, the long-standing legal principle preventing individuals already acquitted or convicted from being tried for the same offence. This was a landmark reform for the criminal justice system. Here, Michael Mansfield sets out the scale of the challenge. The court has to decide in one case whether, in fact, it can go back for trial because the person's already been on trial once, the double jeopardy situation. In order to do that, it has to meet a very high threshold. So, obviously, that's going to be the next big test. She managed to convince Home Secretary Jack Straw to launch an inquiry into how the Metropolitan Police was being run. It was called the McPherson Report. Its findings were damaging to Britain's largest police force, concluding the organisation was institutionally racist, a term that continues to haunt successive police commissioners to this day. She also established strong relationships with companies in exclusive fields like law, music, architecture, and journalism, 
providing internships for gifted students from low socioeconomic backgrounds, she created tangible programs to support the classic corporate rhetoric on diversity and inclusion. And let's not forget Nelson Mandela. He was the turning point in Doreen's campaign for justice. He famously said that black lives in South Africa were cheap, but he didn't expect the same in the UK. And having his co-sign proved to be instrumental in her wider campaign for justice. Here's what a few other people had to say. The contrast between the failure of British domestic politicians and the willingness of Nelson Mandela to become involved, I think, tells its own story. Getting Mandela on board changed it from a local story to a national story. More importantly, the next day were the arrests. Another lesson from Doreen's journey is build something that's bigger than yourself. Doreen expanded her mission beyond convicting her son's killers. She established the Stephen Lawrence Charitable Trust, opening the doors for individuals from all backgrounds and walks of life to access opportunities in prestigious yet traditionally opaque industries. I've personally benefited from her programs, and there are two instances that spring to mind. The first is the Stephen Lawrence Scholarship Scheme. At 19 years old, I had the opportunity of a lifetime. It was a sliding doors moment. I was one of six young black men to receive a scholarship with the Magic Circle law firm Freshfields Brookhouse Derringer. For three years, we received mentorship on a personal and professional level. Doors to institutions I could only dream of suddenly opened. My cohort were the guinea pigs in this project. And alongside some of my friends that had made it through the competitive selection process, I was patient zero. Ten years later, and the scholarship is a smash hit. Over 100 scholars from low socioeconomic backgrounds have graduated from the scholarship, earning places at the country's top institutions, including banks, law firms, and even highly coveted roles within the British civil service. The second story, or experience I should say, concerns my political journalism internship. Again, I was the first to sample a joint creation between the Parliamentary Press Gallery and Doreen's Charitable Trust. I shadowed several journalists, even met Prime Minister David Cameron at 10 Downing Street. And seven years later to that day, I secured a job at number 10 as a member of the Prime Minister's Policy Unit. I guess it's funny how these things happen, but none of this would have happened without Doreen. And even though I no longer work at number 10, By the way, I've never had any political affiliations with Number 10 or the current government. I I wouldn't have got this without Doreen. You see, it's those small formative experiences that plant a seed in your head. I distinctly remember going into so many different spaces, including Number 10 during the Falkland South Atlantic Medal Ceremony, meeting the PM, looking at his aides, looking at the different people that work for him and thinking to myself, I can work here too one day. And I can be more than just a custodian. I can be more than a cleaner. I can be more than an administrative member of staff. And while I respect those roles, I envisage something greater and something, quite frankly, that I didn't necessarily see when I eventually ended up working at number 10. But it's the power of those formative experiences that give us hope. And in some ways, that's Doreen's legacy. 
I can tell you countless stories like it. Quite frankly, Doreen has always been warm. She's always been approachable. She walks into rooms with a self-assured yet graceful energy, almost deliberately low-key. But when she speaks, you can feel her presence. And her charity has molded the professional and personal lives of so many people, including my own. And we're all indebted to her and we're all indebted to Stephen. Lesson three, be yourself, but don't let that be an excuse not to grow. Sometimes just be yourself is confused with don't grow, don't change, don't adapt. You see, Doreen was thrust into the spotlight. She never craved being the center of attention. She never asked to be in front of cameras or be surrounded by others asking her questions about her son's death. However, she's embraced the art of public speaking and confidently addressing different groups. That includes hard-nosed journalists, posh members of the House of Lords, the corporate drones dressed in blue suits often asking clumsy questions about her son's death. The list goes on. Here's another anecdote. Um, Almost 10 years ago, I was Doreen's guest of honour at something called the Political Studies Association Award Ceremony. We met by Westminster Abbey. She was perched on this lovely red chair in a light green top, very punctual, again, very warm, very self-assured, low-key. And we enter a room. It's packed with journalists and politicians and know-it-alls. And I'm convinced we're literally the only two black people in this room. And at this point, Doreen had just been appointed to the House of Lords. She entertained small talk with several guests, but she never faked being knowledgeable or interested in niche topics like fine wines. It's these types of pretentious topics that are often used to subtly exclude people from conversations, but she was unapologetically herself. People felt compelled to congratulate Doreen on her new role as a member of the House of Lords, but there was a patronising undertone to their applause. How are you settling in? I hear you're finding it tough. That's a stark contrast to genuinely congratulating a person. It's worth remembering that it's easy to lose yourself when you've been thrust into a completely new environment. Most people's instincts are to fit in, immediately change the clothes they wear, the food they eat, the friends they associate with, the music they listen to, and even the hobbies they enjoy. These are the trappings of so-called success. Doreen may have leveled up in many areas, but she stayed true to her values. She's used the swanky buildings and invitations to rub shoulders with Britain's elite as opportunities to promote her charitable trust and to bring others from less fortunate backgrounds with her, exposing them to another world. There's so much more colour and detail that I could add to the complex and equally beautiful story of Doreen Lawrence, but I just wanted to share those lessons. Today, Stephen would have been one year shy of 50 years old. He could have been the father of any of the young men and women that have been a recipient of Doreen scholarship schemes. Her legacy is his legacy, and her impact cannot be understated. She's shaped parts of our criminal justice system. She's forced us to have meaningful conversations about policing in this country. She's inspired and upskilled an entire generation. Her scholarship schemes are creating a new wave of change makers and mentors. I'll leave things on this note. 
Here's a quote from Doreen that I read in The Big Issue. The thing that makes me proudest is knowing Stephen's name means so much now. Things in his name have changed so much in law, and his name has such respect. He deserved that. He was somebody who valued people. He valued life. And so, if his name is able to change things and bring respect for a lot of young people and help them achieve things, whatever they set their hearts on, that does make me proud.